0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author, Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. A lot happens when we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's almost like a whole new God shows up on the scene. Or are we simply not seeing the New Testament God within the pages of the Old Testament? We've got Dr. Jennings here on Skype. Help us out. What
1: are we missing? One of the things I want to help people understand is a way or a mechanism to really read the Old Testament and understand it correctly. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that the Old Testament is not only historic, meaning that actually giving history of real events, Mm -hmm. of real people Mm -hmm. that really happened in real time, but it's also metaphoric. Mm. And what I mean by that is, during Old Testament times, there were millions of descendants of Abraham that lived, but we only have a select few individual lives recorded. Is it reasonable that an infinite God can decide which lives of which people and what stories he wants recorded in scripture not simply to give historical facts, but to use those historical facts to tell a larger reality. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that these things happened to Israel as an example and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages have come. And so the Bible is making the case that these historic events were selected and recorded, not just for their historic accuracy, because, but they told a larger picture. Let me give you an example. There were seven miracle births recorded in Scripture, not virgin births. One virgin birth, that was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Miracle births. These are women who had fertility problems, and we know the women had fertility problems because most of their husbands had other wives and had kids with those other wives. And uh, so the women had fertility problems, and God miraculously healed their fertility problems, and they all had children. All seven of them are historically true, yet they all are metaphors for Jesus. Hmm. Let me give you an example. Hmm. Sarah had Isaac Isaac was the promised one and Jesus of course is the promised one. Mm-hmm. Rebekah had Jacob. Jacob struggles to overcome his fear and in that struggle to overcome his fear is renamed Israel and becomes the father of the nation built on the 12 sons. Mm-hmm. Jesus overcame the temptation that tempted him the fear that he had in Gethsemane and became the foundation of the church built on the 12 apostles. Rachel had Joseph, who was sold into slavery, but became ruler of the people to save them. Jesus became a servant all the way down to the form of a slave to the death, but was exalted to become our ruler. Maniah's wife had Samson, who was blessed with strength and became a judge and deliverer of Israel. And Jesus is uh, blessed with strength and is the judge and deliverer of of the people from sin. Hmm. Hannah had Samuel, who became the high priest, and Jesus is our high priest. The Shunammite woman had a child that died and was resurrected, and Jesus died and rose again. Elizabeth had John the Baptist, the greatest of the prophets, and Jesus, of course, is the greatest of all the prophets. And so do you see here that this is your historic events But these historic events are also telling us or leading us to understand a higher reality. God chose these seven lives to be recorded in Scripture for the purpose of telling the higher story. Did you ever see a picture that was made out of a mosaic of uh, thousands of other pictures? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Is that an accident? Or did the person who made the mosaic purposely choose all of those particular pictures for a reason because they fit where they need to fit to create a larger picture? So I'm suggesting the stories in Scripture tell historic realities, but we're also chosen to tell larger realities. And if we miss the reasons uh, for the larger realities, we can often miss the reasons why these stories were included in Scripture and what's actually happening. I can give lots of examples.
0: That sort of gives meaning to that text, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's not just simply the words, but it's what the words represent and what the lives of the people that the words are about represent. Am I right?
1: Exactly. So if you look in Scripture— the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. Human beings are slaves to sin. Moses was born among them, and the sinful ruler of that people sought to kill him. Jesus was born among the people, and the sinful ruler Herod sought to kill him, and of course Satan inspiring him. Moses conversed with God directly and went forth from his conversations with God to confront the sinful ruler that was enslaving the people in order to Set the people free. Jesus conversed with God in heaven, left heaven, came to earth, confronted the ruler of this world in order to set us free from sin. Moses led the people through the waters of the Red Sea to a new life and freedom from the powers of slavery. Jesus leads us through the waters of baptism to a new life and the freedoms from the powers of sin. The people were blessed with material possessions, houses and wealth, as they followed God's instructions. Mm -hmm. We are blessed with spiritual possessions, wisdom, peace, love, joy, as we follow God's instructions, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see the parallels? Absolutely.
0: Dr. Jennings, a little personal question here. How did you begin this particular examination
1: of the Old Testament? What is it that motivated you to do this? Well, so many of the stories on the surface could seem to be inconsistent or irrational, and I know that God is never inconsistent and never irrational, mm-hmm. so I prayerfully began searching for the underlying reasons. Let's look at one that, that people often look at. David takes the showbread out of the temple to feed his men. No negative consequences happen to David, and in fact, Jesus uses that as an example of a good act. Mm-hmm. But Uzzah touches the ark and he's struck dead. So what's the deal on that? Yeah. How is that? How do we understand that? What? And of course, people will use the example of Azza wrongly to say, well, see, he broke a rule, and if you break God's rule, God will strike you dead, okay? and not at all. That's not what's happening at all. You have to understand Israel is not only historic people. The children of Israel are actors on a stage with a grand theater with props, costumes, and a script. We call that script, scripture, Mm -hmm. okay? And God is a director and they are to act out the larger reality of God's plan to save human beings from sin. When a director is directing a play that is precise in what it's trying to teach and actors persistently go off script and start acting an action that misleads, what does the director do? He redirects them. He redirects them. And if they won't get on script, he takes them off stage and replaces them. And for a period of 70 years, God shut the the whole system down and yes. nobody was acting. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. And so David, when he goes in, if you understand the symbolisms and what's metaphorically represented, the showbread is representative of Christ, the bread of life who came down from heaven. And so when David takes the showbread and gives to his men within the script, he's saying here, when you partake of Jesus, you have health and you have life. That's why they all live, because that's exactly consistent with the script. We find life in Jesus. However, the Ark of the Covenant, is the place of atonement or oneness or reconciliation where the entire universe is back in harmony with God. According to the theater script, the only way we sinners get to go into unity with God is through the work of the high priest, Jesus, who fixes us and brings us back into unity, opens the way so that we can come into God's presence. When Uzzah reaches out and touches the ark himself, he's basically saying through the theatrical enactment, I'm gonna take myself into God's presence on my own without Christ. And of course, if you're going to be consistent with what the script teaches, if we try to go into God's presence without Christ, we can't live there. Our sinfulness can't exist and survive in God's presence, so we need our high priest to cleanse us and prepare us to live there. And so that's why Uzzah died.
0: Now, this idea of on script, off script, the children of Israel or the people in the Bible did were they aware that there was a script that they should be following? And were they aware when they weren't following the script? I mean, Uzzah apparently was off script
1: and that's what the consequences he had. How do we know this? Well, we don't know what Uzza knew. We don't know his heart. Right. We just know right. that within the script, that he needed to be put to death to show that consistent teaching at that point. But that's not an eternal death that he died, that was only the death for which there will be a resurrection. Many people read that and said, oh, that was rebellion, that was sin on his part, we don't know what was in his heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, the Lord looks on the heart. Your question about the people of Israel, I think many of them didn't know or fully appreciate these things, but some of them did, and the the point is they were capable of knowing. Mm -hmm. It was available to them to know and to intelligently participate who teach these things, and you get some point in David's life where he grew some of the Psalms that you read, and he has clear insights into these larger realities that he's describing in the Psalms, including the coming Savior.
0: What do you say to people who say, Dr. Jennings, it sounds like if there is a script, the script must have been written
1: beforehand, isn't that predestination? So a script is a theater. Mm -hmm. There is no saving benefit in a script. There's no saving benefit in sacrificing animals and taking blood into the holy place. Hebrews is very clear. No one was saved by the sacrifice of animals. It was only theater. OK, okay. Uh, and, and during Old Testament times, there were people who were being saved who never participated in the script ever. The Shunammite woman, the uh, Naaman, Jethro, Melchizedek, etc. other people who were never participating in the theater that were being saved. So it's just theater. So, no, the script was there to act out in a drama form the reality. And so what one must have to participate for salvation is the reality to which the theater was pointing. We don't want to follow the script. We want to participate in the reality. The script is just theater. When you say I want to start follow the script, I want to get I want to get some robes and I want to start keeping feast days and I want to start doing all this ritualistic acting out stuff. Yeah. The Jews were doing that every day and they crucified Christ. Following the script, the theater, acting out a drama or play has no salvation benefits. Hmm. What the benefit is, and this is why God in Isaiah chapter one criticized them. He hated their feast days, their sacrifices, even their Sabbath days, because they were doing them from rote, and they weren't being transformed by them. They were just following the script. There is no benefit in following the script. There is benefit in experiencing what the script is trying to enlighten our minds to understand, and the script is trying to enlighten our minds to understand that we as individuals are out of harmony with God, and we need to open our hearts and trust to partake of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, to have the indwelling spirit transform and heal us in the inner person to restore us to God's original design. That's that's the plan.
0: All right. So you're saying that we need to be those people who have gone to the theater, watched the show, learned from it, left the theater, come out into the real world, and because of what we learned in the theater, we live our lives according to that.
1: That's exactly what Paul said, that you don't need to be physically circumcised theater. You need to have your heart circumcised by the Holy Spirit.
0: Oh, that is a wonderful, wonderful thought and a wonderful freeing feeling. That's so important for us to look at the theater, to read the Bible, to read the Old Testament, to read the New Testament, to look at these things, and when we have done that, to realize this is what God was trying to tell me Now let me take what God is trying to tell me in both the Old and the New Testament and apply that to my life going forward. Am I right? That's correct. All right. Very good. Well, a lot of things to learn from our guest today, Dr. Tim Jennings. His radio program, Come and Reason, you're listening to it. He has, also has a website, comeandreason.com. There he has a lot of his books. And if you enjoy these shows, folks, you will enjoy his books very, very much. I don't want don't to spoil the surprise of all the ones you have there, but it has to do with your brain. It has to do with growing old. It has to do with your relationship with God. It has to do with health. A lot of good material there, all at comeandreason.com. Um, Dr. Tim Jennings on Skype with us today. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. And listener, I invite you back next time. This is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone.